This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome home. I'm Kirsten. And I'm Graham. And this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered. We're two moms who've been real-life best friends for more than two decades. We're trying to create gracious homes that are welcoming but also functional, all while dealing with real-life schedules, budgets, and children. Stick with us, and we'll share and show what we know, what we've learned, where we've messed up, and how to fix it. For everything we can't make up, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. You're listening to Welcome Home. On today's episode, we're discussing the very real issue of loneliness and finding friends as an adult. We have an expert Wall Street Journal columnist, Julie Jargon, on our show, sharing her research on why so many of us feel alone and why technology and the pandemic seem to be making it worse. Plus, online dating for friends, why kids seem to be the gatekeeper to female friendships, and why Kirsten and I may bring in a friendship coach to break up our next fight. All that and more on today's episode of Welcome Home. Welcome home, Graham. Welcome home, Kirsten. We're going to promise to make this episode an upper, but every now and then we get a little serious. It's not. It's so sad. No, it's not. It's not sad. No, it's not sad. sad. Why are you lying? Don't lie. It's sad. It's it's a, how about this? It's a real issue that everyone. It's a a real issue and it's making me sad. Okay. Well, you told me to. Jump out of the blues. Well, go. Here's what we do: we wrap up podcasts well, and we didn't, get out. You didn't. You didn't jump out of the blues. You. You are sad, and I just want to prepare our listeners. <laughs> People are going to be like, click off. No, I'm going to listen to all the. No, things. no, no, no. It's a smart episode. It's a smart episode, and it's like it just. I will say this is one of those episodes where you will think, and then you know what? Here's the deal: you don't change your behavior unless you're a little sad. You have to have a motivation to change your behavior, right? Right. Like. You have to like, well, I won't get into the specifics, but like, let's be honest. Okay, fine. Whatever. Who cares? I'm done being nice. Yeah, you're really into being honest these days. I'm into into being honest. So here's the thing. I did not get serious about losing, I still haven't gotten serious, but about losing my COVID weight until like I literally split my pants, which was also, (laughs) no, it's not funny. That's funny. No, I I will say that also is when I needed to get serious about like, well, is it? all the weight I've gained or is it the fact that I've had these pants since 1998 and I'm not throwing them away because I don't throw away anything I just sit in my closet surrounded by 20 year old clothes saying let's have an expert on purging on our podcast or do you think also though that the fabric's worth it that could be that's what I'm saying that's what I'm saying it's both it's both have you you had that idea in your mind that ooh, maybe like the side stitching on my jeans maybe those little like threads just wore down over time maybe they're just disintegrating it's not my fault are you saying the express black pants i bought in 1996 are not gonna i wore a pair of jeans from old navy a couple days ago and i must have gotten 15 compliments on them and i definitely bought them it was oh yeah it was it was the super bowl and um i think we i i might have even taken them from you i don't even know but they were old i mean real old you know who you know who has great jeans for super cheap is there's a there's an h&m it's very specific. I should look it up and then I'll like, I'll, you know what, here's what I'll do. I'll look it up and post it on Instagram. But it's a, it's like a slim, well, probably is out of style now, but it was a, it was like um, Spanx, but jeans. They were great. Anyway, the point is until 
I felt the pain of like mm -hmm. wearing the button pants and be like, oh, these are too tight. I wasn't like, I should eat more vegetables. So what I'm saying too is yes, this episode is not like our hap hap happiest episode, but like also, you know what? Mm -hmm. I'm going to change how I engage. Well, and this is be a better friend to people. Yeah. Well, I like that. That's so that's inspiring. Okay. So the, I was reading the Wall Street Journal the other day and there was this great article called Moms in Middle Age, Rarely Alone, which is so true, and often online and increasingly lonely. And I looked at it and then I just decided, you know what, I'm going to track down the writer. And we did. And she's on the show today and she's really good. But then she received so many comments on this article that she wrote a follow-up article called Being a Parent is Lonely. Here's how to find friends and keep friends. So we have Julie's um, ideas. Um, so we're basically doing a month of women's friendship. Yeah. We're introducing a problem and then we're going to. We're going to solve it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want to say right now? What? If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. I knew that's where you're going. Uh, you knew it. You you knew in my mind I was. I knew that's where you were going. Yeah. I also here's another one for you, Graham. Okay. I don't want to spoil. I'm trying to think because I don't want to spoil these two episodes. But they talk about doing things with your friends, like mundane things with your friends, in both episodes. Mm -hmm. I have they a do. brilliant idea. Tell me. Okay, this is maybe we should say this. Maybe we should put this in the podcast because it's a billion dollar. No, it's not a billion okay. dollar. <laughs> It's what is it? Tell me now. You've thank you that will 100% fail, but I want to throw it out there anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I want to shark thank you. Okay, so I think what if we had really high-end, very clean laundromats? We put our famous diva wash in the laundromats. Oh, it was yeah. like all organic. Like all the tables are very clean and you had like a really lovely coffee bar in there or you can have like a really lovely like champagne bar or whatever. Like a sports bar for moms. And we had oh, all the screens going up at different times. Like you had Bravo on one channel. But then, oh you, I gosh, mean, of course, this is the best idea ever. And you can fold your laundry while you're talking to your friends. It's kind of a fun idea. I mean, oh my gosh, but imagine laundry playdates. And you have like, we can have like a Carbana bar where you like get all the stain removers. <laughs> you're such a nerd <laughs> then you've got to schlep your then you've got to schlep your uh your stuff all over people <gasps> people won't use it it's never gonna work but i it's like it's never gonna work but I if think... it did, if i were like a billionaire with just like money to burn i would do it as a non-profit just like <laughs> a non-profit but there is there's got to be a way to create like the equivalent of a sports bar for women yeah but i like the idea of like i don't have time i'm not a man so i don't have time to hang out at a sports bar but I have, I have to do a lot of laundry. So no, but like, something practical. Well, no, remember the time a long time ago you came up for that really fun place, like a, a neat bar for what well, so it doesn't always have to center on a bar, but um, a place for parents to go and the kids kind of play like a lovely spot where you could get a nice meal, but yet your children could kind of play at the same time. I feel like that's like David Buster's. <laughs> I'm kind of describing, but you know what I'm talking about? Something that actually was lovely. Right, right. And I, well, just any any restaurant where they, there's like a kid play area mm -hmm. that right. isn't like I'm, I'm not talking about plastic balls and tube slides. I'm talking right. about like just right. where where kids can run and play is like, right. thank like you. it backs up to a field or something and yes. the kids can like go to the field. That's all we need. Yeah, it's a win, win. I'm out of that stage now, but I don't understand why there aren't more restaurants like that. I just mm -hmm. don't get it. Agreed. Totally okay, well, uh, as we're talking, though, about the my wonderful idea for the laundromat for friends, uh -huh. do you remember, this was like a big thing, I think it's like when I was in high school, because I remember my mom having a bunch of these, but it was a place where you would go, and it was like a commercial kitchen, 
Mm-hmm. It, it was oh, a, oh, yes. This was a thing. Island. And you yes, made and a bunch would, of food yes, together? Yes, you would make like eight meals for people or like eight meals. Mm-hmm. And then you'd, be, you'd go with your friends and you'd cook this like batch food that you then put in your freezer so it's ready to go. Yes, those were hot for a hot second. I feel like they that were. had a heyday. Yeah, and that was, but that was all along the same time as, you know, when you'd get together and everyone would bring the recipes, you know, everything you needed to make one meal, but you'd have, you know, and then everyone would get together and do it in someone's kitchen. Uh, I don't remember somebody doing that in somebody's kitchen. I just, I remember this place, you just go and they would have like a menu printed online and you'd go and be like, oh yeah, this week's is going to be, we're going to cook these six meals. Right. And you batch it all up in little Tupperware. And then you go for like two hours and you cook Mm -hmm. all these meals and you talk to your friends and then you leave with six dinners. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool idea. I think, I think actually it could be, you could do it as a comeback if the meals were really like specific. Cause I feel like that's the only thing that's annoying is like, you know, when I make eggs, I have to do scrambled for everybody, but then fried for Anna Drew. And if I make fried, I have to make fried for everybody, but scrambled for you. And like, mm-hmm. if I make spaghetti, I have to like set aside the meatballs without sauce for Hugh. Hugh is mm-hmm. the theme here, the consistent theme. But my point is like, I can't deal with your kid's pickiness. And you know what I mean? Like, that's too much. That's too many things. So I yeah, think- yeah, yeah. Well, and I feel like also those meals are always kind of gloopy because they're the kind of meals you're supposed to stick in your freezer. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people like to cook fresh meals you know, totally. for, to an extent. Like they don't want the, there's only so many gloopy meals you can eat in a week. I don't know if gloopy is a word, but I like it. You know what I'm talking about? Like it just kind of like mishmashes and then you throw some hot sauce on it and you're like, okay, that's dinner. Yes. Like glue. Yeah, I'm married to like a big casserole guy. And to Are me, you like, really? Yeah, he loves casseroles. Oh, see, dudes had way too many like church potlucks growing up. So you put anything like that resembles a casserole in front of him, he will not touch it. And mm-hmm. also, he has this problem with being military. Like, there's certain foods he won't eat because the MRI version of it was so bad. That's like, so he fair, eat, though. He won't, I know, but at the same time, like, I didn't understand. I didn't know that chicken tiki marsala was on the list. And Boots is like, oh, that's the worst MRI. And I'm like, but this is not an MRI. <laughs> this is from Trader Joe's. And he's like, I can't eat a chicken tiki marsala. So, like, that's not that's part fair. of our family because of, like, that that's fair. He served us in the military. He doesn't have to eat that. That's like, I, I imagine you, you serving, like, keep your patriotism for yourself. You don't have to cook for this nonsense. <laughs> beef stroganoff is one of those oh. foods that I feel like they would try to reconstitute. Somehow. Totally. But I, that is another food I'm not allowed to cook because of no. Salisbury steak. Not that I was oh, that. I'm going to vomit. All right, let's but, shut but, this down. No, but I think beef stroganoff is like the best food ever. You know, it is so good. I'm going to make it tonight. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I love the stroganoff. Oh we have another cooking episode. Okay, well, I, well, I'll let you go. But real quick, can you just come up with a million dollar idea, like the laundromat that's better, or like the well, batch dinners? I can visualize it in my brain. We just have to find a reason. The thing is, women don't need to have to bring anything from their house. Like the schlepping alone of the laundry sounds terrible. We need to find something where you can go and get something. I'll think on it. How about that? What if this? What about this? What if you put all your laundry in a bag? And then they come and pick it up and then they deliver it the next morning. Yeah, that's called the laundry service. Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, I guess then. Well, yeah, I guess if you just got a lot. By the time, like, you've paid for the service, I'm sure you're like, oh, I didn't worth it. it." Except for your, okay, well, what do you do in your day that's annoying that you could do with other people? Mm, It all involves my, um, empty my dishwasher um, (laughs) or pick 
Yeah. <laughs> or pick up my house. I mean, those are kind of the things that I would say are the repetitive or walk my dog. I mean, that's a good thing. That's a good, I walk that's my a, dog with my neighbors and that is, mm-hmm. that's a great way to make friends. Walking that's your a dog. delightful way. I mean, you know, yeah. something you've got to do. I'd rather be chit-chatting with someone. How would you feel if one of your friends texted you and said, Hey, do you want to come over and keep me company while I unload the dishwasher? I mean, I would do it. I would totally do it. But I mean, that's like eight minutes. And then I'll be like, well, what are we doing next? There, I have, I have heard of a friend. This was actually a cool concept who um, she would switch off. And okay, this was actually a neat concept. Someone told me about this where they had a girl, two friends. And what they would do was one day a month, like, or for three or four hours, the girl would go to the other girl's house and help her tackle a project, right? Like let's clean out the kid's playroom let's do this. And then the next month they would flip-flop and the girl would go to the other girl's house and help her with a big project. I like that. They had a name. I, I would love know? to have a friend come with me to pick out my curtains because that's stressing me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Friends just help everything. So that's why we should unpack this with Julie Jargon from the Wall Street Journal. Welcome, Julie. We'd like to welcome to the show, Julie Jargon. Welcome, Julie. Hi, thanks for having me. You have written two articles that one caught my attention. I'm a devout reader of the Wall Street Journal every day, but I really, I mean, it was front and center for me. Moms in middle age, rarely alone and often online are increasingly lonely. We are now hopefully, knock on wood, coming out of COVID a little bit. And um, and I guess, Julie, can you kind of give us an overview, a lens of what you're seeing, where we are? What's neat about your perspective is your tech and family, which that's kind of an odd mishmash. <laughs> it is, but you know, tech is so pervasive in all of our lives, and it's an underpinning of a lot of family conflict and uh, family issues because our kids are using tech, we're using tech, and um, sometimes for the good, sometimes not for the good. So it's a uh, it's a pretty interesting sort of cross section to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and but usually play- you'd see lifetime, lifestyle and family or something along those lines. But the fact that they've done tech and family, I like that. That's yeah. Thank you. you know, it actually makes perfect sense, Julie. I got it literally right before I got on this call. I got an email from the school principal saying it's been brought to my attention. There's a fifth grade group text that has been being used to talk about people negatively. I mean, so now I've got to go through and figure out, okay. Please, God, don't let it be my son who was, you know, but yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, you know, I, I recently actually wrote a column about um, how cyberbullying in schools has um, taken some new forms. Students have been creating these um, Instagram gossip accounts where they uh, create these anonymous accounts to gossip about their classmates. That's become a thing. So, yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, uh, taken over um, between schools and and parents, there's so much to stay on top of when it comes to kids' tech use and what they're what they're doing on their devices. It can be overwhelming. It, it is overwhelming. But also Absolutely. that was our idea first, XOXO Gossip Girl. I'm just going to throw that out there. But yes, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing that for a while. All right. But your articles, I think, are fascinating. They really describe what you're seeing. I mean, you're kind of boots on the ground. You're investigating um, this issue. What are you seeing? Um, and then I also like, I want to kind of dive into um, the article you also recently wrote of how to find and keep friends in 2022. So, right. So for the first one, um, I started just noticing some commentary in different online communities of mothers of women saying that they were feeling lonely. So I decided to look into that. Um, it struck a nerve for me as a middle-aged mom myself. And what was interesting is 
is when we think about loneliness, we often confuse that with isolation. Um, mm -hmm. We think of older people during the pandemic uh, where there was a lot of attention paid to older people who were at home, not being able to see family and friends and how terrible that was um, for them. And we heard a lot about loneliness among um, younger kids who were isolated from their peer groups. What we didn't hear so much about was the loneliness of women who were trying to hold everything together during this time and who were never actually alone. You know, you're, you're in your home, you've got your kids are around you all the time, your spouse or partners around you all the time. And so you're never actually isolated, but you're still cut off from the support group that you once had. And so the pandemic, you know, obviously not just during the shutdown phase of the pandemic, but even, even now, like for instance, at my kids' schools, there are no evening events. There are no opportunities to volunteer in the classroom. Um, pick up and drop off is just you pull up, you get your kid, you go home kind of thing. So what I found was that the, the, the relief valves that we once had, uh, had had disappeared. So just that ability to make small talk um, when picking up your kids or chit-chatting with other parents at you know the school choir performance. A lot of those things went away during the pandemic and have continued even you know well beyond the lockdown phase. And so who, who are moms supposed to talk to? So a lot of moms turned to Facebook groups, um, whether it was their own personal Facebook feed or other groups that they were part of to try to connect with other women. Um, but what I found was that a lot of times that made some women feel even lonelier um, because sometimes, you know, when you're on your Facebook feed or you're in a Facebook group, you see people posting pictures of, you know, a girl's night out, um, people going out, having a good time. And for some women that I interviewed, they said they would look at that and they felt like a teenager again. They were feeling this uh, fear of missing out. They were feeling like, what's wrong with me? I don't have that, that group of, you know, five girlfriends in my area that I can go out with. My friends are scattered all over the country and I talk to them, but it's not the same. And so uh, I did a little bit more research and I found that there was a, a survey that was done in the earlier phase of the pandemic, um, in the spring of 2020, that found that women in this age range of Gen X, roughly ages 41 to 57 years old, reported the sharpest rise in loneliness among any other generational group. Mm. Right. And, and yet, mm -hmm. keep going. Sorry. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, it was just a lot of attention had been paid to other groups, to, to men. There has been a lot of coverage of the loneliness of men. There was talk of a loneliness epidemic. But this was a group of people that really hadn't had much attention paid to, to them in the past. Interesting. Yeah, I feel like that's very true as far as Facebook doesn't make me feel connected. So you're the tech columnist as well. Should we just delete it all? Get off? I mean, really, is it is it the kind of thing I, I, I've realized? I mean, I do little experience with myself all the time. And I know that when I read a book for a few pages before I go to sleep versus looking at my phone, I have a better night's sleep. Whatever it is, the neural pathways in my brain seem to fire better and give me a more restful night of sleep if I fall asleep having read a book. Um, and I almost wonder if it's worth an experiment of just stepping away for two days just to see kind of what that does to your mood and, um, you know, maybe it pushes you out a little bit. But then, like you're saying, if you still feel isolated, um, you know, where would you turn? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a double-edged sword because it is um, it is a place where you can find connection, but sometimes it's not very deep connection. Sometimes it doesn't feel that meaningful. Um, but I was saying, you know, tech is not going away. So I don't think it's a viable option to just completely give it up. You know, it is kind of a double-edged sword because for some women they do, you know, they do find connection 
on Facebook and other social media platforms, um, but sometimes it's not a very deep or meaningful connection. Um, but I think, you know, there are things like what you, what you said about reading a book um, at night before going to bed instead of scrolling um, on Instagram or Facebook. And I think, you know, that's something I, I used to do a lot myself before going to bed. And I stopped doing that because it, it was affecting my sleep and it was making me just, um, you know, it doesn't put you at ease because you're, you know, if you're doom scrolling and you're reading the news and it can, it can get you in a, in a hyper state that's not good for sleep. Um, so I think there, there are small steps we can take to um, kind of control our tech use and make it a little healthier without having to just completely throw it away. But when you're talking about tech and friends, what's interesting there is like, I don't know if you've ever heard people talking about, um, you know, like like the whole sober curious movement and people saying um, it's really awkward if you meet someone and you've been drinking because maybe you're a little more open and you feel like you've made this great bond. But then the next time you see them, you're like, no, that was the alcohol. Like, I didn't really connect with you in a real vulnerable state. It was a fake vulnerable state. There is something about social media that I feel like is that pattern where like if I can like your comment or I can, you know, comment on your post or I'm following you and I'm seeing, oh, she went skiing and now she's having her son's birthday party. And I feel this connection, but it's like that wasn't a real connection. It's there's something about it that is like inauthentic. And then when you see them, it's like, oh, I know so much about you. I see the funny memes you post i see your child's concert at school whatever it is and then like i don't actually know you at all and there's something so dishonest about those relationships that i feel almost dirty watching people's lives through these platforms does that make sense is that or am i just like too sensitive to this no i think that that does make sense and one of the moms i spoke to for my column was saying that um you know, it's, it's nice to be able to see the lives of, of people that you went to high school with, people you haven't talked to in a long time. And what she said was, I can see their lives, but I'm not part of them. And mm-hmm. so she said that social media has made her feel less isolated, but more lonely. So it is that superficial connection where you feel like, I know this person, I know what they're doing, I know what they're eating for dinner. You don't really know them. Right. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, the more I talk about it, I don't know if I do think it's healthy. But then at the same time, like I was just saying, you know, uh, I think you also do get exposure to new ideas and new perspectives. And I have met people because I'm like, oh, you follow them too? I'm super interested in that movement or that um, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, oh, your kids go to this dance place? I don't know. I feel like it also is a way of like it's like, a, you know, it's the meeting house. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think the key is just to, you know, if those are your only relationships or your only connections with people, it's probably not going to feel very fulfilling. So if you, you know, if you, if you can make sure you either bring some of those relationships offline as well, or make sure you're getting out and meeting people in the real world, uh, then I think it can be a nice balance of both. Um, okay. I mean, I certainly like to see like friends of mine that I don't live near anymore. I want to see their kids grow up and I can't, I, there would be no other real mechanism for doing that if there wasn't some sort of platform of sharing photos and, and having a window into their lives. And I, so I like that. Um, I've got friends who live in Switzerland and I'm not going to see them for a long time probably, but I, I get to see what they're doing and get to see their kids growing up. And that's really nice. Um, right. You know, but at the same time, you know, you have to, you have to find your people near you too um, to feel like you've got a kind of a fuller friend group. Right. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It basically the answer that I learned, we do so many interviews now is like life just takes a ton of work in every way, right? You got to work on your marriage, work on your kids, work on your friends, work on your um, social. It reminds me of, you know, how they used to say at the end of a, of a cereal commercial, part of a well-rounded breakfast, right? <laughs> basically, <laughs> the answer for life is you just work your tail off. That is really the answer, right? Like you look at a little bit of Instagram to watch your friends in Switzerland, but not too much because that will be pushing the edge. You know, then you've got to go out and you've got to make friends in real life. And then you've got to nurture those friends in real life. And then you've got to work on your, you know, your spouse. It's just nonstop, but in a good way. Um, You discuss friendship coaches in your article. Tell us about what a friendship coach is and where one might find one and what they can do. They're all over the place. I had, I had no idea either that it was a thing and it is, and it's, it's kind of cool because. Um, you know, some of them pointed out to me, well, you have financial advisors in your life. Maybe you have, there are life coaches, there are mentors at work. There are all sorts of people that fulfill different sort of coaching roles. Um, you know, personal trainers, you, you turn to people to help you on all sorts of different aspects of your life. Um, why not friendship? Um, um, and what they do is, uh, you know, oftentimes they will help friends who are having a conflict, but they can also, I guess, help determine you know, if you're having difficulty making friends, they can provide pointers. And, and that's why I reached out to some for this column. And to your point about ha- everything taking a lot of work, I think that was one of the, the key reasons why um, the women I interviewed said they felt so lonely during the pandemic, because where was the time? You know, at the end of the day, they're, you know, they made sure their kids were doing remote school, they were making sure meals were on the table, and maybe the house was a little bit clean, maybe some of the laundry was done. But you know, at the end of the day, they were just you know, we're all exhausted and who has the time to pick up the phone and check on their friends. Um, Mm -hmm. It does take work, but some of the friendship coaches that I spoke to said that maybe what we need to do is sort of reframe our ideas about Mm. what it takes to be a friend and to do things with friends. There was, you know, this idea that we have of, you know, getting together with our girlfriends is a happy hour after work or a long Mm. brunch on Sunday. Um, and if you don't feel like you have time for those kind of things, even if you'd love to do them, um, you just let those things slip and therefore you just don't get together at all. So maybe what we need to do is think about different ways to be with our friends. And that can be um, having a FaceTime chat while we're folding the laundry. You know, we have, we have to do these chores and they're, and they're right. boring and we hate them, but why not combine that with talking to a, a girlfriend while we're doing that? And then there's the idea of the errand date. Uh, with yeah. friends, you know, Tell you have to go to the... more about that. <laughs> yeah, that was something that was kind of trending on social media recently is this idea of um, going to the grocery store with your friend, you both have to shop for food, why not do it at the same time? You're the That's second awesome. guest who has brought this up. And it has never occurred to me and I'm going to literally call a friend right now and be like, let's go to Trader Joe's. I got an hour. Yeah. Keep and all you know... your Trader Joe's hacks. Or even, or the converse, even easier, call your friend when you're at Trader Joe's. I do this a lot and say, hey, I'm at Trader Joe's because ours is far. What do you need from Trader Joe's? Even if that's, if it's too big a lift to even coordinate your supermarket times, just say, what do you need from Trader Joe's? I'm up there. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, Um, you drop it by their house and say hi. Exactly. Or a lot of, a lot of times what I do is often go to the park near my house in the evenings because my kids want to ride their bikes or play at the playground. 
So sometimes I'll just text a mom friend in the neighborhood who has mm -hmm. um, a little boy the same age as mine and you know, they'll come and meet us. So, you know, the kids get to play together. I get to talk to a mom friend and, you know, you kind of can combine the things that you're naturally doing anyway in your daily life. Um, right. So that it's less of a big, okay, let's plan dinner. Let's plan brunch kind of thing, which can feel just overwhelming, especially now when we're also, you know, so busy anyway, but kind of dealing with all sorts of other stuff on top of the usual daily mom life. Well, okay. So here's my question to you as well, because I believe I read this just this morning in the Wall Street Journal um, that um, businesses are open, but we only have a quarter of the workforce or about maybe it was 35% of the workforce actually returning to in-office work. How do you think that's going to play out and affect um, kind of this feeling of isolation? That people have like it's like a duality right because we're we're opening the the business the offices up but people don't really want to go back anymore so are they their own worst enemy <laughs> well yeah it's really interesting because i think a lot of us have gotten so used to not having a commute not having to do that morning scramble to not only get the kids out the door but get ourselves presentable and to an office and so that's become one of the i know for, for those of us who can work remotely that's been one of the blessings of your, you know, if you're a busy working parent to not have that added time that you have to spend getting to somewhere. And so people have gotten used to that and don't necessarily want to return to work for that reason and maybe other reasons. Um, but as we know, a lot of our adult friendships come from the workplace. Um, you know, we, that's where, who do you, how, how do you meet people when you're an adult? You, you meet them at work, you meet them in the mm -hmm. office. So without that, um, that can be, that can take away that, that one place where you could have that um, lunch out with a friend during the work day and you could have a coffee out or a happy hour gathering. So I think that that could affect um, our friendships going forward and our ability to socialize um, if we're not all gathering. Um, I, I just went to my office in LA recently for um, a meeting. We had some editors coming to town and, you know, it was the first time in two years I had seen my my colleagues in that office. Did you have and the best time? I bet you had it was wonderful. Time. I got no work done during the day because we're all chatting. Everyone's like, I didn't schedule any calls today because I knew I'd just be talking to everybody. It was, it was Aww. wonderful. But at the same time, it was like, wow, you know, this is, it, it also kind of made me feel sad. Like this is what we've been missing. Mm -hmm. And how do you replicate that? Or how do you, you know, the zoom meetings just don't do it. You know, no, no, no they I'm don't. Dead. Well, but then you, Oh, sorry, sorry well, you touch upon, we'll keep going, Kirsten. I oh, I was just going to, well, here's the thing. So I think it's really interesting because this is so, we're looking at this issue through the lens of the pandemic, I'll let's say. And we talk about this great resignation that's coming or that we're in the midst of and this great reset. I've heard that term as well because because we did. We had this, like the whole country essentially had like a midlife crisis, like self-imposed, you know, and we're going to come out of it with new realizations of how we want to live and how we want to work, right? But like, I also think, you know, when you were talking about the grocery store thing, I had a different picture in my mind. I had the picture since I've never been on a grocery store date until now, which I'm definitely going to add to my life. But um, I I have the picture of running into friends at the grocery store and being like awkward, like, oh, good to see you. Fun. Nice to see you. But then when I see you again, it's like, oh, sorry, because you're here to do your job, which is grocery shop. And I'm here to do my job, which is grocery shop. And we have our earbuds in and we're not talking because there is this assumption that everyone is so busy that like people can't hang out. And there is this assumption that for some reason, even though Graham was saying, you know, everything in life takes hard work, but like this is the exception, right? This is your play. This shouldn't be hard work. This should be easy. And I just feel like I am coming out of this pandemic thinking, I didn't place human relationships highly enough. Like, I don't need more alone time. 
Like I didn't place community high enough. Like my great reset is like, I want to commute. Like I want to put on pants. Like there is something you talk about, like the, the stress of getting out of the house in the morning and like, I get it, but I also feel like, God, my day runs smoother when we got some structure and we get everyone on the, you know, getting my husband to the train is what keeps like our day sane because we have like a reason and a rhythm and an order. Like I am coming out of this just like there were good things that 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 I miss, you know, that I want to double down on. That's my my. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think maybe maybe the answer to that for some people will be, you know, continuation of the hybrid work where, you know, people go into the office three days a week stay home when it suits them, where they do have that structure and they, 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 they can have those connections in the office, but they don't have to do every single day. Um, you know, I don't know oh, if that right. is, is going to be the future of the workplace, but if it is, I think there'll be a lot of people who might want to do some type of hybrid situation like that. Oh, 100%, 100%. That just seems okay. like the best of both worlds. In your article, Julie, you, me- you mentioned three sites that I have not checked out or dived into, but I'm fascinated. So Bumble BFF, Friended, and Meetup. So I'm assuming these are social media sites that are specifically set up for making virtual friends um, at peace first virtually, and then I guess meeting in real life. What? Okay, if it was clear, Graham clearly, Graham and I clearly met our spouses before online dating was a thing. What <laughs> wasn't clear from that question? Well, no, I mean I know what it is, but I'm just saying I didn't know that it had moved on to the world of friendship. So now there's sites for it's Bumble BFF, Kirsten. I know I've I know people who've met their BFF on Bumble BFF. Wait, really? Yes. I know two single moms because they're there and I never really thought about it, but they're like, no, it's really hard because single moms have different schedules, different priorities. Like we have weekends, we have the kids, weekends, we don't have the kids. And they met on a, on a specific thing looking for, on Bubble BFF, looking for other single mom friends. And they, oh, I like that. It's a great story. That's a great story. I know it's very sweet. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. To answer your question, I don't know how popular those sites are and how, you know, successful they are for resulting in, in lasting friendships. But, you know, it's another option for people if they don't know where to turn. Uh, you know, I know I have heard of a lot of people turning to Nextdoor or even just posting in a local community Facebook group, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a single mom or whatever, or, you know, a married mom, but I'm looking for some more mom friends and having, you know, people respond that way. And then, and uh, you know, having in-person meetups um, for dinner or what have you. Um, but this is obviously a little bit more focused on people who are trying to find a friend match. So I don't know how, you know, it sounds like there, you know, there's some success there. Um, I just don't know how widely used they are, but it, it's another option if someone doesn't want to make like a public plea to make friends, but they want to, you know, mm-hmm. they want a more targeted way to, to go about that. So why not? Absolutely. I don't, yeah, it's hard. I feel like we as a culture haven't quite gotten there. Like to say, I've been to a couple weddings that are Oh my gosh, my sister, my sister met her husband on one of those websites. Um, you know, so so we've gotten to the point where I've been to several online dating weddings. So that's become socially acceptable. But I feel like we aren't quite there for friends yet. Do you think that'll change as a as a tech expert? You know, I think it could. I think, you know, obviously there's there's a little bit of stigma around admitting that you're lonely and in need of friends. People tend to think, well, what's, what's wrong with you if you don't have friends? Isn't that, you know, just a take a, a given that everybody has friends and knows how to meet friends, but it, it's not. And, and why is it, or should it be any different than trying to meet a romantic partner? Um, 
because the thing is, you know, you can meet other moms, but maybe the only thing you actually have in common is that you're a mom. That doesn't mean you're going to be instant best friends and hit it off. It's just like meeting a romantic partner. You could go to a, a bar or a park and, and meet a guy. And just because you're both there at the t- park doesn't mean you have any sort of spark. So I think the same thing goes for friends and that there shouldn't be any shame in, in you know, trying to meet someone that shares your same interests um, beyond just the fact that you both are moms. Um, you know, the mechanism as adults for meeting other moms is often through school, but that may, that may be the only thing you have in common is that your two kids go, you know, to the same school or in the same class. It doesn't mean that you have any, um, anything really in common beyond that. So, you know, that is the double-edged sword of motherhood, right? Like I think about my first baby shower and I knew there was like 12 people, like I barely knew them, you know, and then by the, by the time my second baby was coming, it was like, you know, I could have filled the room with 60 people, but did I love them all? Did I really connect with all of them? No, but it does kind of open the floodgates, huh? Yeah, for sure. And one of the moms that I interviewed for the, the first story on, on the loneliness, you know, she was saying that she has, um, you know, an older child and then a much younger child and then one in between. And so when the other moms of the, of her kids, her oldest kids' friends, she was always like the youngest mom. And then by the time she had her third child, she was among the older moms. And so she never, she was always at a kind of a different stage of life and age than, than the other um, uh, parents of her child's friends. And, um, you know, had different political beliefs and um, just had a hard time finding people to connect with. So it's just not a, it's just not a given that you're going to hit it off with another mom in the you know, school pickup lane. No, for sure. Um, okay. Well, any, it seems like you got a great response to this, this article, which, you know, when I, I feel like whenever I read an article where people are talking about all the, the, um, the feedback they got back in their inbox, uh, you know, in, it shows you've hit a nerve. So what are your kind of takeaways from having written these two articles? Like, what are you hearing from your readers and what should we be passing on to our listeners? So the feedback I've gotten to the these both of these pieces has been so tremendous. In fact, the feedback to the first piece, I just heard from so many women who were saying that they, you know, totally felt the same way and that they felt like they were reading about themselves. And I got a lot of um, emails from people saying, well, what do I do about it? That's why I wrote the second column with some advice on how to make friends because um, so many people were asking, okay, this is great. I, I'm reading about myself here, but what do I actually do about this? Mm-hmm. And I had, toyed with the idea of adding a little bit of advice at the bottom of that, which I often do in my columns, but I didn't want it to come across as trite, you know, like, oh, join a book club, you know, because, right, I mean, right. If you, you know, you can't necessarily join a book club right now, or maybe you can now, but, you know, a few weeks ago, even it was seemed a little bit tenuous. Um, so I, so that's why I did the second column. And I also, interestingly, heard from a lot of men who were saying that they too were lonely. I heard from young men, men in their 20s, who were saying that they feel lonely. So it's mm-hmm. obviously a, a very universal problem. Um, across, you know, age groups and demographics and, um, and everything. So, um, you know, it's, it's just interesting how many people out there are feeling lonely. I know the answer. I literally think I've found, I just, I always think the answer is go out and volunteer. I think a hundred percent go volunteer, like find. And I think the answer to that is go find, if you don't even know how or where to start, go find a religious place that you most identify with because usually they're very plugged in in the community and then say what are the local problems that you're working to help I think that is the answer if, if I were writing a guidebook on how to alleviate human loneliness I think that is the the tried and true number one answer 
that is something I heard from a lot of people is to just, you know, because it also, if it aligns with your interest, then you're most likely going to, you know, if you're passionate about, um, you know, helping feed the homeless, for, for example, you're, then you're going to meet other like-minded people if they're out there doing the same thing. And mm-hmm. you're, you're going to be kind of aligned in your, um, in, in your, in your values and what you find to be important. So that's definitely a great um, suggestion. Another thing that I really liked was just the idea of booking time with a friend. You know, we're always running into someone at um, the grocery store or school and say, oh, we haven't seen each other in so long. Let's get together. And then you, and you both agree to get together and then it never happens. Mm-hmm. And so one, um, the one person that I interviewed for this um, advice column said, just, you know, pull up the calendar on your phone right then and there and book that get together. Yes. Get it on your calendars because if it's not on your calendar, it's not going to happen. And also it kind of tells you right away who actually means it when they say that. <laughs> so if they yes. pull out their phone and their calendar and they put the date on their calendar too, then then you know that's someone who actually really does want to get together with you. For sure. For sure. I think that's the takeaway. And I think the other takeaway is there's nothing wrong with you if you're lonely. Everybody 100%. feels this way. So people are probably going to be just as excited for you to invite them as you would be for them to invite them. So just make the invitation. You, exactly. you can do the, the force. Um, okay, well, I think, Julie, this has been awesome to talk to you. Um, we're going to link to these these great articles. They're definitely worth reading and just following all of the um, all of the topics you're tackling. Because We never mention our Instagram. We need to do that, Kirsten. It's at the Welcome Home Podcast. Thank you, Julie. Welcome home. And that's all we have from Kirsten and Graham. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Welcome Home. If you're interested in hearing more from the iconic best friend duo, Please subscribe, tell your friends about us, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for giveaways and other exciting updates. Until next time, welcome home.